Welcome to the Dasco, Reverend Randy Impact's anointed teaching ministry. This message is selected from the vast teaching archives of Reverend Randy Impact. As you listen, may you be blessed and imparted with divine wisdom. And now, today's teaching. Jesus is the single most successful individual that has ever existed. And I'm not saying this from a religious point of view. I'm saying this as a fact the world has accepted. And these are not arguments you make from your religious point of view. These are stated facts with records. There are many independent publishing or media houses that have drawn these conclusions. Researchers have drawn these conclusions that the single most influential person that has ever existed in the earth realm happens to be Jesus Christ. Well, of course, many people have existed in different fields and have done different things, but they cannot match up with the impact of Jesus Christ. That's why I believe that personally, Jesus should be a subject of study in our universities because the way he lived his life till date happens to be very, very outstanding. And so, I've taken my time to study Jesus and to find out how he did it. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Meaning that we are supposed to live our life after the order of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said it. He said, the things I did, you will do and even more. But you cannot do the things he did if you are not following him. So it is very important for the Christian to study Jesus. As Lord and Savior, we must study him. Jesus must be a subject of study. And until we are able to study Jesus, we cannot be like him. So, I'm taking my time to break it down to teach us what made Jesus stand out in an exceptional dimension as he did. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus died physically. Until date, the faith he founded has the largest following in the whole world that's legacy when we talk about legacy we talk about succession you know most business principles are gleaned from the bible that's why anyone that takes the bible serious can really go far for example there's a principle in business called the principle of delegation that is to say that if you really want to do something great you must learn the art of transferring skill to others because you just understand primarily that every individual can do so little so by the time god gives you a great vision you must then begin to think about others anyone that has the mentality of me myself and i is not able to go far for example most businesses that we have seen around. If it's a shop, if it's a provision shop, it stays in one place for a long time until it becomes extinct. 
if it's a food joint, it's just one person because the person cooking the food feels that she's the best person to sell the food and feels that she's the best person to pack the food and feels that it's the best person to represent the food. So you see that most things are not able to become great. Not that they don't have the potential to become great, but how do you make something that God has given you very great? So a principle was developed called the principle of delegation that empower people to represent you in what God has given you to do. And that helps you to be in different places at the same time. And that helps you to also succeed. It helps you to scale whatever you have been giving. But this principle of delegation is not a wealth principle. The businesses do it a lot. They delegate. That's why when you go into companies, they have line managers, they have supervisors, they have this, and so on and so forth. It's one vision, but they are trying to identify different people to express their vision. That's why we have big corporations. But this principle of delegation started with Moses. The world has a way of getting into the Bible and taking the principles and applying them for success. But Christians have a way of avoiding the Bible and, you know, end up struggling. When Moses wanted to administrate 2.5 million people, God told him how to do it. It was not a prayer matter. It was a strategy. So, God told him to organize 70 people. He took his spirit. His spirit represents his ideals, principles, his way of doing things. And there we saw the principle of delegation. So Moses was able to empower 70 people to think like him, to behave like him. And you see, it's, it's a thing of leadership. And by the time Moses was done, Israel had 70 leaders who were able to carry God's vision to where it was going. Because if Moses alone tried to do this, he would be worn out. So it is not an issue of whether Moses is great or not. Moses is great, but he does not know how to carry the greatness. And for many of us, God has given us great ideas, but we must think about delegation so quickly. You cannot do it alone. So these things are principles. And when you read the Bible, you must read the Bible with a certain mindset that it is a book, a manual for life. Buried in the Bible are principles with which we live our lives. So when Jesus came, he also did what Moses did. He selected 12 people, trained them, empowered them, and they carried his vision. And you realize that even when he died, the vision lived on. Every idea the Lord gives you, every vision the Lord gives you, every opportunity the Lord gives you is supposed to live beyond you. In fact, you have the responsibility to carry it beyond you. But many people, for example, someone like Elisha, did not have the mindset of delegation. So you realize that Elisha died with the gift of God. It is never supposed to be so. The gift of God are not things that can die. Ideas are not things that can die. But it depends on the vessel that these things come to. 
if you don't have the wisdom and understanding, you would make what is supposed to be eternal, temporal. So Elisha died with the anointing of Elijah. And do you know that it took a long time, more than 400 years, before the spirit of Elijah was reactivated. And it even had to take a supernatural means. That means that the anointing of Elisha was not supposed to have died with him. But he didn't have the mindset of delegation. He had the mindset of me, myself, and I. And if you think like that, you delay destiny. There are many things you cannot do. When people come around you, you don't see them as people that are positioned to carry a piece of what God has given you. But you cannot do it alone. But after all these years, Jesus is still using the principle of delegation. Because we have all been delegated to represent Christ. And that's why till date. The Christian faith is the most powerful because it's hanging on a principle. It's not just about what God intended to do. There's a principle at work. And Jesus started the principle. He selected 12. He did not do it alone. Whatever you are doing alone, it will not last. It will not even go anywhere. It will not go far. The moment you begin to think about anything, think about others. Praise Jesus. Think about others. Think about others. That's the only way there can be continuity. So now we have about close to 3 billion people in the Christian faith because of the principle of delegation. Now, the big question we should ask ourselves is, how did Jesus, who happens to be the son of a carpenter, born in a manger, how did he manage to rise from that state of obscurity from that level of insignificance because you know what by the time you are born in a manger even society would look at you in a certain way born in a sheep pen society will regard you a certain way so right from the start jesus did not have a good start never had a great start his colleagues looked down on him Society looked down on him. The people around him actually looked down on him. The Bible says Herod was looking for him to kill him. In fact, who would like to have a friend who was born in the sheep pen? You don't want to. You want to make friends with people who have a certain background so that when you are in need, they can help you. But Jesus didn't look like someone who could help anybody. Besides, his father was a carpenter. Not a Roman soldier, a carpenter. So there was no dignity around Jesus at birth. And this is why God is bringing us this story to help us understand that it does not matter your background. You know, many people dwell so much on their background that they, they never become what God wants them to become. And that's the sad thing. That's why Jesus has become the standard. So by the time you say, well, my parents didn't go to school and so that's why they didn't travel abroad. That's why I'm like this. God will tell you, no, that's not an excuse. The son of God himself. His parents didn't go to school. The son of God. No university degree. No academic qualification. Not that in those days they didn't have, they had people with mass, like Herod was a very great powerful man. And Jesus could have easily been born in the house of Herod. 
Maybe a daughter of Herod or something. Jesus could have grown up in the palace of Herod. Like Moses. And it would have changed the whole story. But you know, God did it that way because of you and I. Just to help us to understand that it does not matter. It, it does not really matter who your mother is. It does not. Look at how Mary was going to be ridiculed. Mary was still a teenager when she became pregnant. Bear in mind. So in society, she was an outcast. You were not married, you became pregnant. There was no ceremony. So it's almost like the whole outlook of the birth of Jesus was a big shame. Mary was a shame to her colleagues. And she could not explain this phenomenon that, you know, I became pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Who, who would understand that? When we read the Bible, we understand it because we need to understand it. But it's going to be difficult for the people living around Mary to accept it. Her friends, especially her religious friends, will just abandon her. Even now in church right now, as we are all here, if one of you who is not married, go and get pregnant, you see the reaction. <laughs> no one will mind you. I'm telling you. So imagine Mary. The shame. Her friends will never, because it never happened. Till date, it has never happened that the Holy Ghost made somebody pregnant. So her friends, do you know that even after the birth of Jesus Christ, the, her friends didn't believe. They died in unbelief. They died. You know, the gospel was presented to us. So we read it from the point of when Mary was talking to the angel. But those people didn't see any angel. Those people didn't hear that the Holy Ghost came upon it. So as for them, they were viewing from a societal point of view. So Mary became an outcast. Mary was looking like a bad girl. You know, you've gone to do your things. You have become pregnant. You are making stories that the Holy Ghost, no one will believe her. <laughs> her family people will not believe her. Her aunties will not believe her. Her uncles will not believe her. That's why, you know, her husband was a man of dignity. Her husband said, the Bible says that her husband wanted to cover her from the shame. Because there was a real shame. So imagine that Jesus is growing up in this same community. <laughs> so you see, the, the colleagues of Jesus, their parents will tell them that, look, I don't want you to be like this guy. His mother just gave birth to him mysteriously. So his friends will also begin to tease him. So it's like Jesus did not have it easy. That's why, you know, even when Jesus was 30 years, he grew and he was performing miracles. They did not accept his ministry. In Nazareth, no one would accept him. No one would accept him. There was so much unbelief. So he did not have a great start. People looked down on Jesus. People looked down on his parents. But how is it that Someone like that can rise up from that level of shame and become the most relevant person, not in Jerusalem or Nazareth, but in the whole world. Jesus is a global icon. I mean, big corporations are gleaning wisdom from the principles of Jesus. Big churches, great presidents are talking about Jesus. And the man is not here physically with us. He is more famous than people who are alive. Far more famous and influential. 
His name opens doors. His name is used to get visa into nations. <laughs> Jesus has become so powerful. Yet he was born in a sheep pen. So it tells us that we can become anything if we can have faith in God. And Jesus did not just rise. You know, I thought about the principle of prayer. He did not just become what he became by prayer. Jesus came on earth to teach us hidden mysteries of how to become like him. So if the globe is too big for you, even though Jesus wants you to conquer the globe, you are supposed to be the most influential in your family. You are not in church for nothing. That's why not all your family members are in church. That's why you are the one who is in church. It means that you are supposed to be the light of your family. The light of your community. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He said, come and see. That should be your testimony. Yes. You may have made some mistakes in the past. But I'm telling you that Jesus, his past was not great. But his future was so great. Yes, his future was so great. That's why your future should be greater than your past. And that's why most of you should release yourself from the past. You should know operate from your past, your background. You made some very, very bad decisions, very great mistakes, but it is not controlling your life. Look ahead into the future God is taking you to. There's still a big opportunity to become that light in your community. That example to others. That great businessman, that great family person who cannot be ignored. That great Christian in that family. Praise Jesus. So when you look at the life of Jesus, we, we have a cause to become great. Apart from prayer, what made Jesus great? The second principle that made Jesus great is the principle of vision. The principle of vision. These things are supposed to be practical in our lives. And if you can stick to these principles, I'm telling you, nothing can hold you back. Proverbs 29:18. The Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Vision is the single most important thing in this life. Where there is no vision. It means that even if there is anointing, there is money, there is certificate, there is education, your progress in life is largely based on your vision in life. That means even if there is no money, there is no great background, there is no certificate and you have vision, you can still make it in life. It says where there is no vision. And God was so specific to single it out. He didn't add anything to vision. That's why I said that vision is the single most important thing in life. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So, if you are ever going to become great or anything in life, you need to understand that you need vision. You can go to all the school you want to. 
have all the degrees. But if you don't have vision, you cannot become anything. Many people live their lives on the basis of just academic certificate. Well, I have this certificate. So, because I have this certificate, well, once it's there, an opportunity will come. Opportunities don't come. We create opportunities. That's why many people just wait for nothing. Praise Jesus. People hope. But Jesus was not hoping. Jesus created vision for his life. What is vision? Vision is creating a mental picture of a desired future. A mental picture. Everybody was created great. Everybody. The Bible said, and when God created them, he blessed them. The word bless means that he empowered them to succeed. <laughs> Everyone has that capacity to succeed. No one is born a failure. No one is created a failure. I'm not talking about mathematics. You know, when you fail at mass, it's not a reflection of failure. It's not, mass is just a small aspect of life. The same way you cannot judge a monkey by his inability to swim. You can't say a monkey has failed in life because a monkey cannot swim. That's the same way you cannot tell anybody that you failed in mass so you are a failure. How is it that you are a failure because you failed in mass? is not your thing, period. <laughs> and mass is not supposed to be your thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You know, but you see, we have restricted the whole success thing to BC, SSC. And so people become so demoralized when they are not able to pass BC. Your life is bigger than that. Your life is bigger than that. When God created Adam and Eve, there was no mass, there was no social studies, there was no science, there was no physics, there was no biology. So what was the standard of success? And those people were successful. Solomon never wrote any exam, but Solomon was the wisest man that was living. Until date, Solomon had more wisdom, more wealth, more prosperity than all the mass teachers put together. <laughs> Say I'm a success. No, don't allow certain things to bother you. At all. They don't. They, no, no, no. The index for success is way bigger than that. But we are limited. So limited. And we define failure by the little things we are not able to express. You can never be a failure. The mere fact that you are made in the image and you know, likeness of God is a success. It's an achievement. That's it. So the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision is creating a mental picture of a desired future. God has already blessed you. Everyone here, you are blessed. You are not going to be blessed though. You, you were created blessed. God didn't leave it to prayer. Bible says when God created them, he blessed them. Because if God left it to prayer, many people would never pray that God should bless them. You know why? Because they don't see themselves as blessed. Till date, even though the Bible has said that, when God created us, he blessed us. There are many people moving all up. They don't feel blessed. 
So they keep telling God, bless me, God bless me. God. They don't feel it. A blessing is not a feeling. It's a capacity. It's just like having a heart. You, you will never feel like you have a heart. But it's there. You will never feel like you have a kidney. It's there. So to go to the doctor and say, Doc, I need a kidney. I need, you, know, you sound very upset. But operate with the blessing. That's why in anything you get into, know first that you are blessed. You are a blessed man. So whatever you do will be blessed. A great man said that whether you think you are right or you think you are wrong, however you think, you are right actually. Because how you think is what you become. I'm a blessed man. Jesus had a mental picture. It's one of the most powerful things. Christians, they live too much in hope. At the age of 12, when the parents of Jesus came to him, you could see vision and expression in a young guy. He told his parents, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? There was a sense of focus. There was a sense of knowing where he was going. Jesus knew where he was going at the age of 12. There are some people, they are 30 years, they don't know where they are going. <laughs> at 12, he knew where he was going. And he challenged his parents. There are some of you here, your parents wanted you to be doctor, engineer, pilot. Those of you who your parents wanted you to be pilot, even airports, you have not gone there before. <laughs> Airport. The only airplane you've seen is the one in the in the sky, but they wanted you to be a pilot. Your parents don't craft a vision for you. That's why you see marriages that are still under the influence of parents they don't succeed. How can you be married? You're a man. You're married to a woman, and your mother is the one advising you how to marry. That means you are living the vision of your mother in your marriage. Bible says, therefore shall a man leave and cleave. You can't be under the influence of your parents. You are, you are married. And you say, my mother said, uh, my father said. So, where there is no vision, the people perish. At 12, Jesus had a vision. Praise Jesus. Jesus had a vision. What is your vision? At 12, he knew where he was going. So, he was preparing himself. You know, it is vision that helps you to prepare. Where there's no vision, so a lot of people don't have inertia in life. They don't have energy in life. People are just, they are just there. Why? Because they don't have vision. Jesus knew that he was going to be a preacher. So at 12, he was, look at how long he prepared. 12 years, he started reading the Bible. For something he was going to practice at age 30. The reason why you don't have any energy to do anything is that you don't have vision. That's the problem. You have anointing. You have blessing. You have money. You have education. It's left with vision. Today, may God give you a vision. Let me give you three areas of your life which require vision. Three areas. If you get these areas in shape, you craft a vision for these three areas, I'm telling you, you are going to be a success like Jesus. Jesus had so much vision that in John 14, 2-3, he said, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would 
have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He was on earth, but he was thinking about where he was going. Everybody here must think about where they are going. When you are thinking and it's just about today, you know, people wake up from their sleep and say, thank God, thank God today. Is that you, we don't live in today. Christians are supposed to live in the future. The first area of your life that requires vision is your spiritual life. Now, this is because the spiritual controls the natural. This is a reality. It's the truth. The spiritual controls the physical. You cannot have a great destiny, a great life, when you don't have a spiritual life. That's why those who are not Christians and want to really be successful, they become very diabolic. You ask yourself, why is there someone who wants to become a president, a senator, a government official, and is consulting medium? Because they understand that even though it's governance and you can take a degree in governance, you cannot rule. You have to face the fact that life is spiritual. Get it into your mind. Don't let anybody deceive you. You know, people will say, eh, when you get up, every day you are going to church. You see, when people are talking, what's their life for? Don't just listen to people. This person say every day, what has he achieved? Don't just allow people to advise you. Do they have the capacity at all? Wisdom is not in words. Wisdom is in deeds. Otherwise, every parrot can be given the opportunity to advise because parrots talk a lot. Praise Jesus. So build your spiritual life. 2022, if you're going to succeed, have a spiritual life. Now, let me break it down. This is how you can build a great spiritual life. Number one, have a great word study. One of the things I used to do in this church is to give you, you need to read the Bible every day with a plan. At least every year, you must read the Bible. Have a vision to pray at least one hour every day. That's why you can take advantage of the cathedral because most people don't pray. And if you don't pray, you are playing. Anything will control your life. Alright? Now, choose a day in a week where you will fast. I'm making it practical. You can hear this. is when you go, you never pray. You never. I'm telling you that. Join the cathedral. That's all. You have a consistent prayer life. Choose a day. It can be the day you were born. Determine the number of souls you win in a year. Write it down. You are building a spiritual life for success. Determine. Have pledged to God that because of me, 10 people will stay in the church. These things, they move the heart of God to bless you. I'm telling you. The reason why God will even give you a car is that you have a good mind. Determine. And work on it weekly. Finally, determine to be a tither and a giver towards the things of God. You can never prosper by desire. You can never prosper by desire. We prosper by covenant principles. Tithing is what releases God's prosperity plan in your life. Determine. Tithing is a discipline. There are people who have given a standing order to their tithing because when the salary comes in and touch their hand, it's too late. They can never, they don't have the discipline. But be a tither. Don't owe God. Number two, have a vision for your financial life. So I've given you a vision for your spiritual life. Number two, have a vision for your financial life. Now, to have a vision for your financial life, you must 
actually have some finances. You can't plan for what you don't have. Do you see? I see a lot of people say, oh, I'll be very rich. And you are sleeping in your room. It doesn't happen that way. So to have a vision for a financial life, you need an income. You cannot plan with what you don't have. If you don't have an income, you can't have a savings plan. If you don't have an income, you can't have what? An investment plan. Get an income. And it doesn't matter. You know, wealth is not created by the amount of money you have at the end of the month. But the wisdom to save the little that you have. Wealth is created by savings and what? Investment, not by income. That's why someone who earns 200 cities a month can become richer than someone who earns 5,000 cities a month. It's not about income. It's about investment and saving. What are you doing with the income you receive? So once you have a source of income and you work on that, the next thing is that you must have a savings plan. A savings plan means that, you know, there's an amount of money you put aside. Don't touch it. Some of you, your appetites are too wild. You credit everything. Credit everything. Your whole life is credit. Have a savings plan. No matter how small it is, it's very important. I developed an investment plan for my kids way before. When I was struggling in universities to survive, I was thinking about the school fees of my children. Because I never wanted to get to a point where I have to pay school fees like the way my parents were paying school fees. It's like when the school fees come, then we begin to think about where to find the money. Now, you can start paying your children's school fees before you give birth to them. Do you know you can do that? Yeah. You can be putting money aside. Have a plan for your finances. Number three, have a vision for your relationship. Have a vision for your relationship and your marital life. Nothing works until it is made to work. Don't think that you just meet someone and then you marry the person. We don't just meet people and marry them. You must know the kind of person you want to marry based on the vision where you are going. Don't marry and later say that, oh, is that how you are? Don't talk like that. <laughs> you must know how the person is before you marry. You cannot marry to change people. That's the truth. You marry what you, people don't change. The truth is people don't change. People pretend to change, but people really don't change. You can't change anybody. So the way they are is what you will marry. So you must have a vision. The way this lady is, that's what I, it will help my future. But don't say, oh, right now, if I marry, I'll change her. You will be shocked. So if you have vision for these three areas of your life, you are going to make it. Are going to be great they are going to be successful god bless you for listening to this message subscribe to reverend randy impact on youtube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life stay connected and prosper